Today's show is brought to you by Bogart Extractors, an industry leader in hydrocarbon extraction. Over the last decade, Bogart has implemented many new technologies, which have helped to revolutionize the way hydrocarbon extractions are performed. Each unit is made with sanitary stainless steel and is built and tested right here in the USA. Their certified system for use in licensed facility meet all NFPA and ASME standards and undergo peer-reviewed by third-party engineers to ensure facilities and its employees can operate safely. Beyond simply making a functional extractor, Bogart has many additional features which make extraction faster and more cost-effective compared to other manufacturers. These features include hydrocarbon failing films to supercharge evaporation rates, heavy-duty explosion-proof pumps for flammable liquids and vapors, industrial chillers capable of maintaining large tanks of solvent at temperatures below 60 Celsius. They also offer extensive tech support and consultation services. So whether you need to set up an extraction lab from scratch or you just need some replacement gaskets, Give them a call at 855-553-3887 or check out their website at www.bogart.com. All right, I'm here. This is Mark Ristelli on the Hemp Show Deep Dive. I've got with me... Sikender Sadu and Swarnjeet Kaur, along with our Can Trade team member Franco Smith. Although we're in California, Franco, you're in Cape Town, South Africa, right? So night nighttime for you. So Swarnjeet and uh, Sikender, we had you on the 15 minute hemp show. Obviously, we didn't have a ton of time, and you and I have chatted several times, and we could probably talk for hours, which is what we're kind of planning on doing today because. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, you obviously are a wealth of knowledge and you have a wealth of knowledge about markets that most Americans have no clue about, like markets in India. But to kick things off, what I'd like to do is, um, you know, in on The Hemp Show, I introduced you with, with a little bio. I would like you in your own words to introduce yourselves. Yeah. Do you want to go first? <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Swarnjeet Kaur, and I host and cook for CBD Food Network. Yep. And so CBD Food Network is where we uh, take CBD ingredients and we make daily recipes. So our idea there is we want to give options to our customers who want to put CBD in their daily lifestyle without really thinking about it. So it's basically we think of CBD ingredients as just salt and sugar. So as any daily ingredients in your kitchen. So that's our approach with CBD Food Network. And um, I host the Cannabis Network, where from a doctor's perspective and from um, like from a chef's perspective and from physiotherapist's perspective, we look at a category of products and we talk about, let's say, gummies, for example, how are they made? How are they different? How What can they be used for? How can you take them? And what are the advantages versus disadvantages? So gummies, because you're eating them, it's not good for emergency. A tincture under the tongue for 20 seconds is much better suited for seizures. So we help people differentiate for their particular problem, what kind of a product or what kind of delivery method would be the best for them? Okay, very cool. So a lot there now for anybody who hasn't checked out the CBD Food Network um, or Cannabis Network, definitely check them out. You guys are hammering out a lot of high quality content. And I know I know the channels are relatively new. So, you know, we still need to start building an audience there and then kind of assist with that. Um, obviously, we've, we've chatted, we, we plan on doing some cool collaborations in the future but 
everybody that listens to this, definitely go check it out. And you guys are currently looking for more and more brands to help develop recipes for, right? Even possibly cookbooks. Is that, is that correct? Uh, we are right now um, trying to basically get more brands to um, be introduced through like a cooking platform, which, you know, it's so normal in a traditional form, like with just normal food. Like if you look at any YouTube channels or anything, it's so normal for brands to endorse through that. So, you know, it's important for CBD brands to have that kind of a platform to, um, you know, be able to showcase people. Okay. We also like, for example, Jenny's Baked Goods, you know, um, they have brownie mixes and things like that. And so it's important to showcase the the consumers that there are products out here that have, you know, CBD in them or CBD can be made uh, in a normal dinner or whatever. It's easier to incorporate that way, I think, and less scary for people to take. Sure. So I've seen, uh, I mean, obviously, Food Network, there's crazy channels. It's, it's insane how much it's taken off. One of the things I appreciate, which I, I didn't appreciate in the, in the past, is how much cooking is is really an art form. It's just the difference is it's not an art form that you put on the wall and have the rest of your life. It's one that you make a masterpiece. You know, obviously, if you put that type of effort into it, uh, for me, I'm just basically making a grilled cheese on the, <laughs> and you know, I'm probably, probably burning everything and making it terribly. But when you put that effort into it and you put that passion into it, you're really making and producing edible art. Yeah. And I agree with that. It's very interesting to like, for me, I always taste everything before I put it in, but even then sometimes, you know, you think like a, a, a mix will work and it doesn't, and then you feel horrible about it. But at the end of the day, like that composing of those things is, is really fun. And I think everybody should try it. I mean, even with grilled cheese, like, you know, it's, it can be fun. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, I can, I, I can make a masterpiece of a grilled cheese. Actually, actually, yeah. Now that you mention that, hold on, I totally forgot about this. I had this was about, I'm gonna say, like two months ago. I had a grilled cheese party, so I had some friends oh. over for my wife's birthday, and I put together a, um, basically like a build your own grilled cheese. So we had a whole bunch of. Sorry, I know we're jumping off the CBD, <laughs> the CBD <laughs> stuff, but um, we had a whole bunch of like artisan breads, probably like 30 or 35 different uh, types of cheese. Wow. And then everybody would build their own and then I would cook them up, you know, <laughs> gr grill them up. And then we were basically in like a, it's like grilled cheese ecstasy for yeah. like three hours. It was just so amazing. But so, next time we need to add CBD to that. Yeah, yeah. so I was actually... <laughs> say that I, I the so I just finished oops I just finished my cookbook so one of the recipes in that, the whoa that was fast Swarnji <laughs> I swear we talked well we talked about three weeks ago and you talked about making a cookbook yeah. and you're done and now you finished it what <laughs> <laughs> I've just been working on it every day and it's yeah. But one of the recipes I just wanted to mention since we were talking about grilled cheese is grilled cheese, but masala grilled cheese. So um, it's really easy and quick. So I, yeah, I, I'm excited that you like grilled cheese too, because you could try that recipe. Yeah. Wait, so, so what'd you say it was masala? Yeah. What, what's, so what's the difference? What's that? 
you've had it yeah it's um well you've add some spice masala is a very indian word so yeah. it's like masala chicken it's chicken with masala but masala is because india was like this king of spice and trading so they add this word masala on top of it so if you see okay. masala like chicken tikka masala is just chicken with masala on it and okay, then- so so would it be kind of like um like saying like jerk chicken where it's more of yeah. like a spice like a yeah. flavor like a flavor type Yeah like baby back ribs like it will have its own like that flavor at the Alex like, barbecue sauce on top so that's like indians would add masala or whatever okay. yeah proprietary it's usually what you what do you put on it turmeric yeah so in that one it has a little bit of uh garam masala which is like a, a mix of different spices basically and you can make it at home but the easiest thing to do would be to just go and buy some garam masala at an indian grocery store indian grocery store not a normal like store because they're just way too overpriced i think so go to an indian store and get some garam masala and and that's where we I'm think gonna, integration I'm, next like imagine a masala with cbd in it so this opens up all possibilities for like any kind of food like you have a grilled cheese you can put masala on top of it you have pasta you can put this masala on top of it you have chicken you can put masala pesto you can add masala to it so this masala then becomes an ingredient that is just that extra flavor of kick so it's like barbecue sauce but with cbd but we opened a new category that isolate uh, producers were never thinking about because they thought and and what you just said like i just want to bring The fact that you were excited about grilled cheese is the number one reason why we thought it's the best way to like introduce CBD. As a kid, we were shown food or a different experience at the food table. When we go outside or when you're cooking, it's a communal experience. Nobody says no to a grilled cheese because you're you're not going to put cocaine in it. So it's like, well, what is it? It's CBD. Let me try. So it's very easy to get somebody to just take a bite, and once they try it, they're like, "Well, I thought this was going to be hard drugs." Like in seventies, I was told <laughs> this is Mary Jane and stuff. But it's one bite; doesn't taste bad. It's the most easiest way to just break that facade, which is around cannabis. Like this is a drug. This is an ingredient, like salt. Right. Well, it well is. I mean, as a as a former athlete, I'm I'm not necessarily I'm not a fan of like combustibles as far as. I love the taste of of flour and um uh, but however I do realize that I'm combusting the flour and I'm then inhaling the fumes from that I'm inhaling the smoke and that's not good necessarily for an athlete's lungs doesn't matter if it's obviously tobacco and all the nastiness and that's going to be going to be worse than than like say doing hemp or or cannabis but still just not a fan of that in general So the most natural way for me would be edibles and the most natural way for the country I mean and and especially people my mom right my mom she's not going to be grabbing a bong she's not going to be smoking a pre-roll the way that she was introduced to any of this was through edible means right so when it comes to cooking and actually cooking every day with the product it seems like it's the most relevant for the country and introducing it to people such as you know my mom your mom everybody's mom and dad you know yeah, yeah. and one thing that we noticed as well was with food you're getting repeatability and you're getting that dependable customer base so mm-hmm. what we think is like if we are able to get an 
into this niche we're talking about people who are spending money who know something about cbd who already are very careful about how they are eating and how they are incorporating it so this is a subs- uh, subscriber or this is a customer that if we are able to get with the company they will stay probably for the long run mm-hmm. like probably till the end of their life they will just keep on adding more and more cbd products into like their life as they go forward yeah i think because like once you like for example a hemp oil right once you like a certain one that kind of fits with you you're like okay this one gives me that little bit of this flavor and i like that so you're going to continue to buy it it's oil and you're not going to i think most of the time when it comes to groceries as a person who buys groceries i i already know what i'm going to get when i go into the store i'm not thinking about brands unless something pops out very very you know, uh, very much, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I know what I want. And I think the same goes for online shopping too. Unless something really pops out to us, um, if you are used to getting a specific hemp oil, you're going to go for that. And um, so longevity of a customer being, you know, uh, a customer increases, I think that way too. Yeah, Yeah. And one thing that we noticed from the industry itself in the beginning was this industry is very production centric right now. Like we have so many more brands than customers. So we as brands, like if I want to open a brand, I'm going to open one with gummies, tinctures, honey, everything. But in the next five years, this industry is not going to be production centric. It's going to be mostly consumer centric. So when the consumer market enters and starts to dictate the products, the consumer would go, my hands hurt. I don't care if your company makes 17 products. I need something that can get rid of my hand hurt because I need to drive. So if this company makes transdermal gel that can be put on their hand for arthritis, combined with a gummy, which is sustained release, combined with a CBD patch, which can be put on their deltoid, which is 48 hour release. Now what we're telling this customer is for immediate release, we'll give you a transdermal gel and you put a a cover it. That's immediate. In four to six hours for sustainable release, you'll get a gummy. And for two days release, you'll get a patch. So it's more likely that this customer is going to gear themselves towards this company than towards a company that just makes everything possible. I think it's also like, um, you know, like, for example, I just want to give an example, like protein stores, right? You have GNC, you have like all these different health food, fitness related stores. I think that is something I'm thinking might happen with CBD is like, there's going to be CBD stores where these, uh, these companies have already vetted, and have already kind of gone through the process of figuring out is this a legitimate or good brand. And then having that kind of an environment. And I think when you get into that, where it's like mom and pop shops, but it's CBD, everything, you know, or something like that. Well, so, so, so to answer that one, so, so those definitely exist. And we, we've actually had, we've had a few of them on, on the hemp show. So the CBD only stores are here. Um, They're just not widespread yet. Like I've got one literally probably about three miles away from me right now. It's called a CBD works. But yeah, so they're definitely here. However, there's still a lot of uh, ground that needs to be made up on the types of products that they they have in those stores. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't been into that specific one as far as like the vetting and, and how quality the vendors are there. But going back to what you said earlier, um, I kind of had a question about brand loyalty. Now, if you go into a grocery store and you're buying say produce. Obviously that produce is coming from a certain grower, certain distributor. However, you're not buying that produce because of the brand. You're buying it because, and, and, you know, for people that tend to eat healthy, they're going to buy a lot of perishables. 
Perishables typically do not have a brand stamped across the box because they don't usually come in a box. <laughs> now, when it comes to cooking with, with CBD, do you, do you envision the, that most people that CBD at some point is going to become like salt where I know what the salt looks like that I purchased, but I don't really know the salt brands behind it. So yeah. is CBD going to kind of be like that where CBD is CBD, you know, CBD isolate, let's say, and the brand is a bit irrelevant when you're buying that raw ingredient, that good to go into, say, your cooking, your food? Yeah, I think I think already it's become kind of just like an ingredient because it's so easy. I mean, if I'm somebody who's looking for CBD, I'm already afraid because I'm like, well, there's so much out there. How am I going to find a good one? Or or I went, I might ask somebody. But if you're watching a video and somebody's like, oh, this one, I'm going to try to make that thing. And and once people start cooking with it, then yeah, it's it's inevitable that it's going to become just another ingredient, which is great because then there's more expansion and there's more room for it to be incorporated into a bigger variety. You know, we already have oils. We already have all these things. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this. So a while ago, um, I want to say about six months ago, he had this idea to incorporate CBD into sugar packets for convenience stores. Oh, wow. That'd be and interesting. Also, uh, yeah, yeah. And as also, it's, hold on, as at, into the sugar packet or as its it, own packet without no, no, the sugar? No, with the sugar, because so what I'm trying to do is people are already going to put sugar in their coffee. Instead of me giving them one more thing to add, can I replace the thing that they already are? So with her, the idea is, can she replace the olive oil that you're already buying? Now, the olive oil you buy is $5. And the biggest problem is our olive oil will be $40. So the the cost to consumer is very high, but it feels like it's inevitable in the next like a decade. This olive oil with CBD is going to be like 50 cents more expensive. So that's that was yeah. the idea. Can we make, we also thought, can we make half and half? Yes. With creamers. CBD creamers. Okay. You know little ones that you get um, at, usually they're, I feel like they're at um, convenience stores. They're usually coffee shops don't have those. They'll just give you a creamer. Um, but either way, those big gallons or the little ones, the idea is no matter what you're doing, you're having a cup of coffee, you're having a grilled cheese, whatever, it's there. It's right. right for you there's no effort there's no extra thought behind oh i better take my cbd now you know well i mean coffee the the fact you mentioned coffee creamer and say sugars to go into coffee i mean coffee's a natural place to start because yeah. it is so widely consumed throughout the entire world so that that seems that seems just like hey a one-two punch as someone who i mean i have a sugar tooth like a terrible sugar tooth but, but I but I know that sugar is basically terrible for you. And I know that I'm doing harm as I'm eating that sugar. I'm actually thinking about food right now. But uh, so I would I would prefer that the, the packet not be combined with sugar so I could just put it in on its own. But I think what you I think it does make sense. That very few people are drinking their coffee straight black and not putting in some type of creamer slash you know just straight sugar cane sugar whatever that may be yeah. well I, I, this is something that i we wanted to do but i don't think it's possible right now because of the laws but we actually wanted to have like you, have, you've been to a yogurt shop right a uh, yogurt shop yeah i yeah, thought you said like, it, i thought you said a, I, with the accent i thought you said a yoga shop for a second <laughs> i was like I, I definitely i do yoga and i enjoy it but i don't know about a yoga shop <laughs> no, no, no. 
Well, this could also work at a yoga shop. Yeah. This concept. So the concept. You mean a yoga was, studio? That's why I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yoga with oh, it's it, what was it? Uh, it's buns and guns. The uh, cannabis workout gym that opened up here. Like you smoke weed at your own home, but then you come and work out because it it's good for your recovery. You know the dermal patches. There is a research that came out because I was just doing. Um, I don't know. If, huh? No, no, no. So there is research that came out of Germany that said like recovery can be cut down by 70%. If you put a dermal. So if you're doing very extensive training, let's say you want to work on your deltoids and you want to do four days of deltoids because you have something important coming up. You can put a patch every day after your deltoid workout. It will cut off your recovery period by like 70%. So your muscle recovery is going to be three times. Imagine taking a hemp seed protein hemp seed has 32 grams of protein versus soya bean that has 12 grams of protein chickpeas have 16 32 grams of hemp seed protein combined with cbd we cut down recovery period we give them natural uh, hemp that can break down in their body plus we're adding more oxygen to the system because hemp naturally produces more oxygen takes more carbon dioxide so we're replacing a more sustainable lifestyle for consumer for plants for earth for everybody if we just replace the uh, protein lifestyle is literally just thinking of hemp as not a drug and an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now we hold on real quick. Uh so you mentioned chickpeas. Chickpeas have obviously gotten super popular because of the the health craze and the protein content in them. When you mention the the grams of protein, can you give me kind of a a relevance as far as the math done there? Cuz obviously when you said 32 grams of protein per you, you didn't really give us a per, right? As far as Because you just know there's not 32 grams in one hemp seed. No, no. Do, you, do you know? Do you know how that equates? Because I'm I'm curious myself. Well, I'm going to figure. I'm going to send you. There's like a very good chart that there is. They have like photographs, and it's like how much whatever has. And hemp protein on that chart is rated as the highest protein source. But we're talking about just so hemp so so it's probably how much protein is produced per blank, right? Yeah. Of, yeah. Okay. And of have, growing. Okay. Yeah. So but so hemp I, is hemp is producing. You said. 14 grams for chickpeas so basically hemp is double doubling as yeah so over double as uh, as efficient as yeah. chickpeas in producing protein yeah also so that's why there is hemp protein coming up also hemp seed has very le- uh, less uh, parts per million of cbd um, i like percentage wise versus the hemp leaf so this was the issue that we had in the beginning of the industry where people were saying this is cbd no it's hemp p- protein so you're taking hemp and you're extracting cbd so this is just hemp which is maybe 10000 mg or whatever but the cbd is going to be 15 parts per million or something but if you're taking the leaf you're getting 150 to 160 parts per million mm-hmm. but where the benefit is no cbd we don't need the cbd if you're just getting to the protein market so hemp in this way becomes double sustainable the seed that nobody wants for C- for uh, cbd production awesome for protein production and the leaf that we don't want for protein production is great for cbd isolate production right and not to mention fiber crop production yeah. but obviously yeah. that that's a different strain i mean people are people are using specific genetics to go ahead and optimize for a seed that's producing that's supposed to be producing protein versus producing the most cbd and cannabinoids in the plant versus the plants that are produced for fiber i mean the plants that are produced for fiber have has very low quantities of cannabinoids within them so i'm gonna, i want to shift gears real fast the i noticed that you guys are hammering out a ton of content and like you got how many videos are you posting a day what's that process what's that process look like i mean i see right now you're behind your you're behind the green screen yeah. one that i've noticed that you for sure use a lot sekinder and swarnjeet you use it in the start of your of your recipe videos 
and then obviously get into kind of more of the recipe. What's your process look like and how many pieces of content are you hammering out, including things like Sworn Jeet's recipe book? <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you do it? I, you guys, you guys must be going all day, every day. Well, I think the atmosphere in this house is very much, it's a production centric house. <laughs> so like he wakes up and then he starts editing. And so I also have like another job. So usually what happens is if I'm not working on my job that day, I'm writing, that's the plan, or I am trying to figure out, you know, what we're shooting that day. Usually we don't have that many shooting days because we combine our shooting. Yeah, we block yeah. shoot most of it. So that's, I'm so glad. Oh, got like a whole day, like a whole day of, of shooting multiple different pieces of content. Yeah. But, yeah. but, we, but we you have still to have to, you still have to prepare each one of those. Each for yeah. one of those. So whether yeah. you're whether you're doing scripts and shot lists or whatever that may be, you got to get all that stuff ready. That takes a lot of time. Yeah, the yeah. prep work I think takes the most time. Yeah. Um, I'm usually like shooting takes three hours like maybe. Yeah. Like it takes a quarter of the time to shoot as it does to prep. So most of the work that you see is actually behind the scenes. Yeah, but the great thing is that. Everything because it I'm so used to cooking and because I it doesn't I don't think about it. It's like I'm just auto on auto doing everything. And so I we don't think about it. But the whole atmosphere in this house is is just surrounded with shooting and editing and figuring out what the next video is. And also, sorry, I wanna um mention something because you brought the cookbook up before. A little bit of backstory to the this idea. Um, my mom has had diabetes for quite a long time and she's always struggled with like, you know, knowing how to cook for her condition because all her life she's cooked one way. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't eat that anymore. And so, um, I think it would be great to combine a, or like do a cookbook specifically for specific things. Like for example, like if you, if you're diabetic, you know, safe dishes that you can make uh, with CBD that won't spike your sugar levels. Um, or even, you know, people who have arthritis or they're much older and maybe don't, you know, maybe they have somebody helping them cook. Um, this person can use that cookbook to, you know, cook those meals for them. And so that they can kind of, eat and not have to feel like they're on medication all the time, especially mm -hmm. for, it just came to mind the, you know, places where uh, like senior homes, for example, you know, those meals are already made for them, but what right. if those meals had like CBD, but they were following a cookbook, you know, things like that. So yeah. that's something that I'm really interested in. So when we're shooting and we're doing everything, these are the things that are popping into my mind, you know? So most of the book that I, uh, that has been written, it's, vegetarian but i do give the option if somebody wants to use meat to use meat yeah so so the the specific cookbooks for you know specific people's needs right we talked about the the possibility of doing it for halal yeah. earlier before we before we jumped on this right doing it for diabetes you know doing it for other ailments yeah totally makes sense and uh correct me if i'm wrong but the cookbook is really a collaboration of all the different cooking you've been doing because yeah. When I look at what you're doing, what I what I think resonates best is the experience of ingesting CBD through the process of cooking, but really your your very short, you know, what is it, five, 10 minute video of the cooking recipe. I mm -hmm. feel like most people are going to engage with that because nowadays not a lot of people read. 
And when you mentioned, and not a lot of people actually make their own food. So for the people that do, that is great. You should definitely do that. It's it's always going to be healthier. But at the same time, when you talk about an old folks home, an old folks home and, and that food being prepared for them, you know, to prepare high quality food according to a cookbook recipe, like they're actually going to cook the food. So we're definitely going to have to get CBD into places where people aren't preparing their own food, such such as grocery stores or, or fast food. Yeah. Even for old age homes, like we can't do it right now because like we don't have the capabilities, but there is a, there is by Steep Hill, they published a research that said 2.5 milligrams of CBN is actually equivalent to 2.5 to 5 milligrams of benzodiazepam. So what this research is showing is if a benzodiazepam is a sleeping pill that a lot of Americans are taking, this is actually like the opioid crisis. This pill would have been the introductory drug to opioid crisis. They're giving benzodiazepam to everybody. You, You have any problems? Take this alprazolam alprex all of these can be replaced by cbn imagine if uh, old age homes people have trouble sleeping a lot of people have pain and all if we could just then there is cbn cbd honey if we could make a cookie uh, five milligrams of this honey can be used in that cookie we could like offer them to old age homes and all these people 45 minutes before they go to sleep if they take that cookie they get cbd cbn and melatonin so that could just be their natural way of them consuming cbd and they have it in their system because they don't need CBD uh, after they wake up. Like in the early hours of the day, there is really no use for CBN and CBD. The serotonin levels, which are building up in our brain, that kind of makes you happy, is going to do- happen overnight. So once that serotonin level has built in your brain, you don't need the CBD for the next six to eight hours. So you can then extend that effect and then take it at night again. That that makes total sense. And when we talk about the the opioid you know, epidemic and how the, the drugs that have caused those. I mean, I, I know firsthand as a former professional football player, and basically you get opioids whenever you want. There's always somebody on the team. There's always a doctor. You, there's always an ailment. I mean, I've had a total of what, six surgeries now. And, and then, I mean, countless injuries. And each one of those injuries, I either got a prescription for some super high strength anti-inflammatory or some type of opiate. And that's what ultimately brought me in into this space now um as far as the the opiates go when you talk about cbd and it being replaced with benzodiazepine you know that's the first i've that's the first i've heard that i haven't actually read that steep hill study so i definitely want to check that out yeah, but we did a video on cbn and i can like send you that link like on the, like just how what cbn is like it is the sleepy cannabinoid but what most people don't understand is it's not sleepy sleepy cannabinoid like research is not showing it's on its own it's when you take it as an entourage effect that's when you get that sleepy cannabinoid benefit so if you heard of uh, do you smoke bird yeah okay so if you've ever yeah, noticed, the couch lock yeah yeah i'm talking about like old bird making you sleepy Oh, so, yes. Yeah. No, I know is, 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 I mean, I obviously I, I got a little bit of a understanding of the cannabinoids. Um, you know, basically it starts to degrade and eventually it will become CBN. So yeah. the older your bud gets, the higher your CBN content will rise. And then same thing with concentrates, the more you process them and the more they degrade, they will eventually become CBN. Yeah. 
but it's it's beneficial if it combines with the thc's effect so the new research that is showing is don't take cbn on its own like not then isolate you have to take it as an entourage effect so it's better if it's combined with cbd because some people don't want to have that high effect although cbn is one tenth the potency of thc so it's not that it doesn't make you high at all but it's very very low potent and the amount we're taking is not going to you won't have that symptoms like noticeable but it is one tenth the potency of thc yeah yeah that's that's incredibly interesting and and you mentioned you mentioned the one tenth potency and the couch lock effect however and the entourage effect right mm-hmm. something things that are well known within the space and i wouldn't say there's not a lot of customers that actually know them i mean or there's still a lot of education that needs to be done with consumers but there's a lot of studies that need to be done i mean mm-hmm. we're talking about we're talking about an endless number of cannabinoid combinations and terpenes that combine with them to possibly create the effect that you're looking for. So, and everybody's got different genetics. So even one formulation is not going to work the same as somebody else. It's definitely not like, not like grabbing, not like drinking beer or not like going to having some whiskey shots, right? Most people know how that's going to affect them. However, the different combinations, cannabinoids and terpenes throughout all these different products is going to have a different effect on each individual person. So it's as if, you really got to really got to do some education there and there's a ton of research that needs to be done on a lot of these uh minor cannabinoids yeah. and the combinations with that with that entourage effect yeah. yeah that's why like when you ask like why are you guys are generating tons of content like the number one reason why we want to do that is we really believe that the cannabis space as the world opens up with cannabis the brands are going to enter into those parallel markets like india for example india has just they haven't legally allowed cbd uh, this year was supposed to be a huge year for cannabis in india three states last year in india got licensed to uh, grow uh, cultivate cannabis just three states very controlled study and there are actually two um, studies which are going on clinical trials going on in india one is by a canadian company in jammu kashmir and one is by i think an american company in uh, uttarakhand the problem was um, we had our farmers protest and that's why everything stopped so this year probably government is not going to be able to do anything because our government might might just topple there is a huge protest going on around 200 million people protesting so it's it's it has destabilized all that process but we know that india next year if this protest goes down is going to come up with a guideline and it's going to be probably like america because what's interesting is cbd does not come under drug and food yeah. administration in india it comes under a different um, segment which is ayush which is the ayurvedic unani and the indian traditional medicine department so uh, unlike america india has its own traditional ministry which is um, just uh, head of all the indian traditional medicine and what's the work excuse me what's the worst about this is there is no investment that happens in india to, through this tradition ministry you know there is a crazy thing is uh, there was a canadian company that came that bought a part of himalayan land that has the rights to extract anything that comes out of that land belongs to them as an ip they are literally sending people with scouts to just go and look for fungus whatever you can find just keep, <laughs> give get it back to us we want to ip patent it and there is a fungus which is now exploding everywhere called cordyceps which is called himalayan gold nobody wanted it 10 years ago now it's they are in this an endangered species in and for athletes for recovery really? so 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 this so this fungus sorry i got to ask a question about the fungus so so this fungus this is a this is used in additive would this be similar to like someone finding truffles yes. under under the ground 
Yes. Yes, but it's yes. but if um, so, there is a 1993 study from China after their Olympics. So China, they used this uh, particular product on three of their athletes. All three won gold medals in track running. So then China yeah. did a study. And is it like, a performance enhancer? Yeah, it, it, a- it increases your uh, oxygen level in your lungs. And actually, cordyceps is known as a Sanjeevani booty in India. In our traditional medicine, for anything related to lungs, you give them cordyceps. It increases your alveoli absorption in your lungs. So cordyceps, I have no idea why it was not ex- uh, explored for COVID. Because cordyceps is something that could have helped those patients who were like in the hospital. But the cordyceps you get in America is not the right one. It's fake. Yeah. So don't buy the one from America. It's yeah. from zombie ant. You have to get it from Nepal yeah. or from India because the cordyceps in America has cordyceptin level of 2%. Yeah. You need the one from, so not to 2%, sorry, 0.3%. The Indian one has 12 to 15%. Yeah. And I wanted to just add, because it just came to my mind again, like about six months ago, he had this idea to combine cordyceps, reishi mushrooms, and CBD Together. to create a formula um, that can be used for athletes, that can be used for people who have some serious conditions. My friend suffered from Sjogrim's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an autoimmune disorder. And she had not, so her body was very, very dry, hadn't cried in, I think, 10 years at least. He told her to take cordyceps and reishi together. And she started taking it. And about three weeks later, she called me like early in the morning. She's crying. Oh, my God, I have tears for the first time. It's crazy. But yeah, so just wanted to add that. that It's interesting. (laughs) She's so she's so happy about crying with tears. That's it's an interesting concept. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I don't crying without tears. That would be that would be rough. Yeah, or yeah. not able to cry. That's an emotional, like because I have Asperger's and number one issue with Asperger's is no, like there's no emotional processing that happens when it needs to happen. So it's really a blessing if you can cry with tears when you are crying. Otherwise, you're not processing that emotion and it's going to come with insomnia and all that. So then I have to take CBD to process that emotion. But the proprietary... Oh, oh, real quick, all this talk about these different compounds and the effects on the body, positive or negative... We forgot to mention that you are a doctor. So yes. you so you know what you're talking, doctors, Dr. Sikinder Sadhu. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I just I just had to say that. I, I we didn't we didn't we didn't mention that because we've been talking about this the whole time. Yeah, I was going to go into plus plastic surgery but then i realized like we're just uh high paid uh sales reps so that's the issue why you kept on getting inflammatory pills again and again and again because no doctor was really paying attention to you and so here's what from a doctor's perspective which is pathetic that's why i left it if i don't fix you i will get a yacht i will get a house i will get a car i might get a helicopter if i fix you all i'm going to get is your smile so <laughs> do i want a smile do i want my yacht on long beach that's why it was like, no, leave medicine. Let's come up with medicine that actually helps people. Like cancer, we're killing them with chemotherapy. Then to solve that problem, we're killing them with cocktail of medication to solve like vomiting, nausea and all that. If we can replace it with a plant extract that cannot kill them, they don't need those 20 medications. So then I am as a doctor, I'm not killing anybody. Yeah. Like It feels like the biggest mass murder right now is from the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. We knowingly kill people. And actually, I want to add to that. Again, going back to my mom, uh, her doctor told her after being on, you know, medicine for years, uh, he kept, he keeps on increasing her dosage. And she said, you know, I feel so weak and I feel like I don't have any control over my health. How can I fix it? And he said, well, I can put you on insulin. You can just take insulin shots every day. And so he goes, 
There is, he goes, I don't think you need insulin. I think you need to get tested for other things because he keeps on testing her and says, you're fine. You're fine. Your blood sugars are high, but you're fine. And so he goes, why don't mom, why don't you get your pancreas tested? And so she, we go, I took her to a lab and the lab said, well, we need a doctor's note. And I said, well, the doctor, oh, by the way, he refused to get her tested for her pancreas. So it's like a game. So I, that's another reason why I'm so like, I want to write this book for her because she has been on a, uh, a vegetarian, like a full vegetable diet for the past three weeks. She's fine. She hasn't wow. had any spikes. I mean, that, those are the types of things. That's why CBD is so amazing that when you, when combined with the right foods, you, you know, you can, you can t- be in control of your body. I think at the end of the day, that's what I want to say is like, be in control of your body. Do it through food. Well, I, I think I think the overall message here is do your research, be in control of your body overall. Because so when we're talking about doctors, we talked about the opioid stuff. I mean, obviously we're not gonna dive too deep into that stuff, but <clears throat> in all reality, every doctor is also human and mm-hmm. they are prone to mistakes. But what I've seen a lot is I see this kind of uh it's like the doctor placebo effect where you feel terrible and have tons of family members that have done this, tons of athletes that do this as well, but you feel terrible. You have some sort of ailment that's bothering you. You go to the doctor and you feel better just because you saw the doctor. Like literally you're like, went and saw the doctor and you feel more confident about whatever that injury is or that ailment is yet that doctor didn't do anything. Then in a lot of cases, that doctor may or may not throw some pills your way. They may, they may be a very good doctor and they may say, Hey, you need, you need this specifically. And they may be spot on. I personally have dealt with a ton of doctors and I've had doctors tell me that I need surgery on this. Mm-hmm. I need surgery on that. And I've had sur- I've had plenty of surgeries, but not everything that I've, uh, that I've not every time I've been told to get a surgery, have I gotten one? And I would be in a lot worse place right now. Had I gotten those surgeries? Then I've had a ton that have just thrown drugs at me. One of those ones, I mean, one of the ones, antibiotics, right? Doctors, notorious. You go in for some sort of virus or disease, bacterial, let's say a bacterial infection. Bacterial infection, you got to fight it with antibiotics. Mm-hmm. However, a common practice has been to fight viruses with antibiotics as well, just to kind of blanket it and say, you know what? We think it's a virus. It, there's, a, there's a chance it, it could be a bacteria, but let's just give you this because we know this is going to help you. Mm-hmm. That's why we have superbugs now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Throwing pills at everybody. That's why we have such an opioid epi- epidemic with what happened with Oxycontin and Vicodin and and uh, pharmaceutical reps and uh, basically trying to up their numbers and get those drugs into everybody. And then that caused that because you know that basically sent people down the heroin pathway. So and I've and I've seen it and experienced it firsthand with friends and family. So overall, the takeaway is do your own research. And although the doctor is an expert, you have to understand that doctor can also make mistakes. So see multiple doctors and learn from the people around you and learn what it is you're taking about taking into your body. Because if you're taking 12 drugs to deal with a certain thing, right? Drug one has symptoms. Now you're taking drug two to deal with drugs one's one symptoms. And then it's just, it's just this snowball running downhill before you know it, you've been on X amount of pills for the past 15 years and your body feels terrible because those things are killing you yet a healthy lifestyle would be the remedy. 
in a lot yeah. of cases. Yes, yes. Yeah. Also, like if you are ever like if you uh, Google about this farmers protest, there's 200 million people, but there's like seven million people sitting in this two mile radius. None of them have masks. Nothing on there, right? No corona. If no, no, no. There, there is coronavirus spreading over there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There is absolutely right because corona is in the infection is in the gene pool. They are getting coronavirus. But if you look at the death rates and the infection serious mortality rates versus America, if there are five million people protesting in Washington D.C. without masks, we're going to get a far high uh, death rate than you were in indonesia in jakarta in africa in asia we're getting so many infections on a regular basis our immunity is naturally strong so when i go back to india i will get a throat infection no questions asked i will get a stomach infection no questions asked i will get a uh, flu and i'm going to get my ears broke this will happen in the first week of me arriving into india so i i'm coming from a very protected american environment where everything is antibiotic dealt now when i'm thrown into this environment my body can't take it so my body falls sick but after the first week of me falling sick then i'm fine then i come back to america and i will like I, over here i don't get those symptoms coming back to me but every single time i'm going to india i am getting those symptoms so there is something to say about the way these guys are incorporating stuff in their diet like ginger garlic and onions are known antioxidants very in very small quantities and we go now we have shots with ginger garlic but turmeric in them indian diet naturally has ginger garlic and turmeric and a lot of it yeah. like how much would you like you would put like a whole bud yeah. of ginger in just one dinner Yeah, I mean ginger like for example all of the recipes they I'd never put oh one teaspoon of ginger. It's always this many cloves or you know one inch of the stalk because what are you going to do with like a teaspoon? You know, these things are medicine. Food is medicine. And right. if you treat it that way, you know, there's no questions. Yeah. Yeah, so In if India, we were to combine like a proprietary mix, let's say for example, nothing is stopping from a company from creating let's say a uh, Uh, one example is if you take reishi mushroom in proportion with cbd or cannabis content in proportion with the cordyceps so you create a crc proprietary mix now the crc proprietary mix if you just install this bag at like a machine at a yo- uh, yogurt shop people just need to bring their phone scan their id and a pump can just fall in so now what we're saying is you get yoga uh, sorry yogurt plus you get this crc proprietary protection mix that can protect you from blah 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 like legally we can't say any of that but we know that reishi mushroom cordyceps and like these should be combined together with cannabis the biggest issue that i'm looking at is cannabis is becoming its own isolated industry now they are saying we are uh, legalized in a way now unani medicine doesn't mean anything now reishi mushroom doesn't mean anything chinese traditional medicine doesn't mean anything this is exactly what we were doing to cannabis indian and uh, egyptian and chinese medicine had cannabis as preparations but we never looked at them now we're doing the same things with other medicines if we just combine all of them together i think pharmaceutical industry is gone like that's why we're not let we're not allowed to combine it the whole drug ma- cartel is dismantled after that well there's a lot of interest against that so that's, yeah. that's a tough that's a tough that's the battle that that's the battle that the cannabis industry and the hemp industry as a whole it has been fighting for the past what is it 100 years now sorry not 100 80 80 something years mm-hmm. so you know that is a huge battle because if you have a few herbs and spices if you have certain cannabinoids and those can deal with these issues and they can deal with a broader spectrum of things because it's an anti-inflammatory it's going to help with your mind all these different things right mm-hmm. you you now have you now don't have the need 
for the doctors to write all these prescription drugs when right. you have one, you know, miracle plant that could technically take out this actually a combination of miracle plants and supplements that could deal with all of that. Yeah, I feel like cannabis right now, it's kind of uh, something new that's coming in. But when I think about cannabis and CBD and all these different preparations that come out of it, it almost seems like like the population needs to be bathed in it. You know, it's like from your from your uh, lotions and potions to what you're eating. It's like if if a person can just take it all in through topicals and consuming, they you don't need anything else really because it's something that will help you heal the body as opposed to just covering up the symptoms. The O Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June 1st through the 3rd, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at the O Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's O-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. That's what, that's what Western medicine is notorious for doing is go to the doctor. The doctor gives you something for the symptoms, but not, doesn't necessarily, not necessarily always dealing with the core cause. And this is actually, this happens all the times when you talk about like, say sports medicine, Mm -hmm. someone has a knee problem. They're having issues with their knee. They're fixed with painkillers or drugs yet they're not necessarily. And then this does happen. I mean, people do go to physical therapy, but the core problem was the person's Mm -hmm motor skills, they're walking. It was how their foot struck the ground. And that's not given nearly as much attention as, hey, let's just fix this ailment, fix that ailment. Let's not deal with the actual core root cause. And and one other thing I want to mention there, Swarnjeet, as far as bathing in CBD, CBD is definitely a positive. Yeah. However, when I look at this, I look at it as just like you said earlier, salt is an ingredient. I look at CBD as another ingredient to a healthy lifestyle. You know, if you are not an active person and you don't necessarily have to be working out every day. Yeah. So, but if you're not an active person and you're not getting in some sort of physical stimulation and mental stimulation, that's going to start to cause issues. That's going to start to cause physical issues. It's going to start to cause mental health issues. And then everything you put into your body, right? If you're putting trash in, you're going to get trash out. And, and last, what you, what you were talking about, um, Sikender, when you go to India, right? And you said you got, you get, you always get these issues. You always get some sort of uh, ear, nose, throat problems. When I, when I think about that, it's probably a few things because, because their antibiotics aren't, aren't so utilized throughout the population, people's immune systems are battling, you know, all these different things. So people's immune systems out there are getting stronger and your immune system is not getting stronger because it's not being challenged as often. Then there's a bunch of, uh, let's say cultural things. I mean, my guess, I don't know this, I don't know this personally, but my guess would be that it's, uh, more normal or it's, it's basically more normal to cook your own foods and cook and cook with perishable foods as opposed to out here in the U S I'm going to order, I'm going to go get some Chipotle, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to have Postmates deliver some pre-made food, right? Not nearly as healthy. So you start to combine all these things together. And then that's why you get these major issues. That's why you get these global health 
crises, right? That's why the U.S. is you know, supposedly the most obese country in the world because bad foods, not enough exercise, and dealing with the symptoms, not with the problems. Because you can't deal with the problem. Like from a physician's perspective, I, I can't do anything. Like, you know, uh, cancer, when we say cancer, breast cancer has a 95% survival rate. What that means is a breast cancer patient will survive for more than five years, 95% of the times, uh, 95% chances. But it doesn't mean cure. It doesn't mean fix. It just means you're going to live for more than five years. We cured it. So this was a scam done by, not a scam, but this was an understanding from the Cancer Institute. They said, what are we going to do otherwise? They don't want to die from cancer. We need to save our asses by saying this cancer is less dangerous. This cancer is more dangerous. Let's come up with a formulation. They came up with a cutoff number, five years. That's why like, we cannot fix problems. If you break your um, elbow and your socket comes out. Done, done that several times. <laughs> okay, then what am I like, I can try to put it back together or whatever, right? But at the end, I can't tell my patient, dude, you're gone, I can't do anything with it. Because then you lose that trust. But then why are you paying $25,000 for that surgery? If there is no like 100% like, so the physicians are saving their asses by putting a uh, like a statistic in front of you. We as physicians cannot solve 90% of these like major issues. So we can only give you symptomatic relief because otherwise, you you have no other option. You know what I mean? Even as a patient, yeah. you, what, where are you going to go then? You, your hand hurts. There's no other option that you have. And you don't have uh, any options from natural products because you just don't know about them. That's why we think brands really need to make these videos, even if they're not making with like whoever they're making with it, they need to tell people how can they use their particular product in their life instead of saying, this is a gummy. This is 100 milligrams in it. It's great flavor. It's mint. You like minty? It's tangy. It will hit you over here. Rather than that, like it will go through your system in four hours. Your bioavailability of this drug is going to be low. It will be good for long sustained release. Don't take it if you have GI inflammation or take honey if you have IBS. The number one um, growing cases for uh, Americans is GI cancers and GI issues. It's because of the red meat that we're eating. And we're not eating a lot of roughage. CBD has some GI protective uh, properties. So if those people were just eating red meat, but cooking it with CBD olive oil, they might be offering some kind of protection. Yeah. I mean, and, and reducing red meat. I mean, yeah. I, I, my, my wife's, my wife's a vegetarian. She has been her entire life. I'm mostly vegetarian as in like you cook a killer meal and I won't you know, that has meat in it. I'm not going to turn it down, but <laughs> I don't, I don't purchase meat. I don't yeah. buy meat when I, when I'm, when I'm eating out, when I go to convenience stores. Uh, but when, when you, so, you know, you brought up, you brought up cancer, you brought up the statistic. We talked, I talked earlier about the dealing with the symptom, you know, when you, when you donate to cancer research to cure cancer, ultimately curing cancer is once again, just dealing with the symptoms of yeah. cancer. Yeah. It's not dealing with the core problem. Now, this to me brings back to the, just the health, just being healthy lifestyle. Now, some, you know, cancer's broad spectrum. You're the, you're the doctor, you know, all about it, right? You can get it from toxins. You can get it from genetics. You can get it from old age, craziness. I don't know all the above, but overall you can reduce your risk of cancer and most cancers with a healthy lifestyle, a healthy yeah. lifestyle, including things like CBD. It's just, it's so weird because it's like a balancing act. You have the FDA, you have the government that have 
postponed, sidetracked. They basically put barriers in place for things like THC, CBD, cannabinoids, just in general. And even right now, with it still being a schedule, uh, being uh, schedule one, you know, it's still prevented from all it's THC is prevented from a lot of things. CBD is a little different because of the farm bill and, you know, it's, it's now legal utilized everywhere, but it's been held out of different categories for a long time. That one's a tough one because it's kind of like all those barriers have been put in place for the protection of the public to prevent snake oil salesmen. You know, Mm -hmm. someone who's telling you this is going to do this. I can't say CBD has all these medical benefits because at this point there is only a few studies and you can't make certain claims, right? Unless you, you have those certain studies. So it's like on one end, you block everything because you're preventing snake oil salesmen. On the other end, you're blocking nothing. And there's snake oil salesmen everywhere, you know, selling you whatever. So it's it's weird because it's this balancing act. You have to fall somewhere within the middle. And it's it's never going to be perfect. But when we talk about, say, say the food and culture in India, less restrictions, right? But I'm guessing there's a lot of I'm guessing there's a lot of food, snake oil salesmen out there as well, because there's less restrictions. Out here, tons of restrictions. No snake oil salesmen are very few, but huge barriers to jump over to be able to get these cannabinoids, these foods, you know, and and different things and make them available for the population. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say, because you said cancer, so uh, cancer is a normal cell which has just stopped following directions. So if you look at a normal cell, it knows when it's it's born, it stays alive and it dies, right? The way it dies is there is the, uh, there's an endocannabinoid system in our body which tells the cell, like, look, dude, that's it. You're doing something weird. It's better if you just die now because you might harm the body. If it has started acting a little weird, usually these, this response is sent to the cell. The cell gets the signal and then the cell activates an enzyme. It's kind of like it eats itself. So it's endophagia. So it releases an enzyme. It's dead. A new cell replaces it. Cancer cell is just like stubborn. It's just like, nah, I'm not going to die. I- I'm going to do my own thing. So cancer cell just stops listening to all of these symptoms. Uh, sorry, all of these signals. Radiation is going to radiate, try to kill it. Chemotherapy is going to try to... CBD is going to activate the endocannabinoid system that naturally exists in our body. It's going to start and it's going to tell the cells like, look, there is this cell which is not acting the way it's supposed to. Can you please send a trigger signal to the cell? So the cell understands it's hurting the body. The cell has no information. It's not in its control. This is triggered. This information gets to the cell. The cell then stimulates its own response and it dissolves itself and it dies. So chemotherapy is not killing it. It's just, let's kill everybody. But <laughs> this is very specific, targeted to the specific area, very less collateral damage. And it can be actually, so imagine if the body's cell has just started revolting. You don't know till the symptom has like four nodules or something in your body or you started seeing symptoms. CBD was already suppressing and activating these enzymes. So if your grandmother has cancer, like my grandmother died from breast cancer, my grandfather has laryngeal cancer, my dad and I am very, very susceptible to cancer. If we have some kind of protection, we might get some protection from the genes from showing up in our system and giving us cancer properties. So it's like, it's it's even cancer protective but there is no research that can come out because we're not allowed to do research. Like in India, we have an NGO that reached out to us that is desperately looking for CBD oil. They only work with extreme cases of seizures. So these kids have 50 to 100 seizures a day. I reached out to a few um, CBD oil companies 
everybody is scared to touch this because they are like these are kids involved these are kids but america charlotte's web was formed because charlotte was cured so like there is lily's law now because lily was cured so we just need people to like endorse these studies there are studies happening in india like if anybody wants to get involved there are ngos that need desperate help for children because the situation has got even worse in uh, covid pandemic um, they're not even able to get their medications and a lot of pe- these pe- kids are vomiting a lot so they need suppositories yeah they need dermal patches um, they're not able to ingest anything so if there are brands who want to support this there is clinical trials or there are like these um, areas where we could help children and we could show the domestic population because i think the best way to enter uh, and gain confidence in india is if we could help realistic people in india who nobody could help how can we damage a kid who modern medicine can only help to a point where this kid has 100 seizures a day that's not cure like no that's i mean that's not living i i saw i saw a video i saw a video of a of a parent crying when CBD had reduced their number of seizures from several hundred a day to two or three. Yeah. And this was a this was like a 3-year-old child and that one that one hits at home my my son's 3. Uh actually my uh, you mentioned your your dad pat my dad passed from cancer actually March 7th of last year. So his his one year anniversary is coming up. But my son's 3 and I interact with him every single day and I love the interactions. Now he's talking up a storm, we're having a blast. but this parent was in tears not just for the fact that um his you know it was one to two seizures a day and that was gone but now his son could have a life and his son was actually interacting with them as opposed to dealing with seizures for 24 hours a day now you're just a few times a day and the rest of the day you're actually engaging with your child and he's developing mentally you know crazy story but it, the to the response i mean think about clinical trials i mean they they're super expensive right so it's like only if you have deep pockets you know only if you're big pharma can you engage in those right the other the other issue i mean with just dealing with kids in general right if it if it doesn't have a clinical trial attached to it or behind it or some type of efficacy now it's about being uh risk adverse you know it's really about risk management and people are always afraid to do anything when it's related to kids. Right. And, you know, let's say to me it's not necessarily controversial but controversial compounds. And so that's why everybody's it's it's businesses being risk adverse, not wanting to say, you know what, we're going to sit this one out, we'll let somebody else do it, but they're all sitting it out. Yeah. And then vice versa, the deep pockets that it takes to actually run some trials. It, I just want to add that a lot of businesses here are unaware of the laws in India. They don't understand that CBD does not come under food and drug administration. So it comes under a protective blanket. We already have CBD products in India that have been there for 600 years. For example, in Rajasthan there is a biscuit which is made and I think like it's a traditional shop so they write out, it's on tripadvisor people can go and like comment on it. <laughs> so it like and I've been there. I've had that one biscuit shop Dude, it's awesome. Like you take the biscuit, you go into the middle of the desert, you look up at the stars. I kid you not, they were falling everywhere. Wait, does the does the biscuit get you high as well? Yeah, yeah, biscuit gets oh, you high, at, and it's bhang. But bhang, you cannot stop in India because bhang is a religious preparation given by the gods. It's like a ceremony. You cannot illegalize a ceremony in America. You're screwed. Like the government falls in India, you can legally have bhang. in front of a police officer 
in front of a magistrate <laughs> ah, for him <laughs> yeah but you need to know the laws to enter india so if if an american this is where we are seeing a lot of issues big business in india is going well we can definitely take them uh, make this ip big business is already doing it we uh, we have um, wild hemp that grows in india big business has started making hemp fibers and hemp ropes from that business they, they don't even buy the seed it's just growing naturally in the himalayas they're going there they're getting these conglomerate of villages to go in there they get the fiber they break down the fiber and because we used to have a fiber market in india up till the 70s that's when india illegalized hemp hemp was legal in india till 70s wow at least i mean we already know it's such a miracle crop to to make it illegal especially for fibers right it's it's such a great fibrous crop but i want to just mention real fast that when we head out to india we're going to that biscuit shop we're getting <laughs> and then we're going to lay on our backs yep. in the middle of that's just we're at somewhere with no light pollution we're going to watch the stars yeah yeah that's what all people do it's a very it's a very touristy store you buy the biscuit then you go to the uh, the camels and then you sit on the camel they take you in the middle of the desert they give you food and then everybody knows you're going to eat biscuit so everybody eats a biscuit and then yeah people are talking to camels they're having fun it's oh really my gosh. this sounds this sounds hilarious camels <laughs> camels in the desert with biscuits with with yeah, with biscuit. yeah. so you can't it's there's nothing you don't yeah yeah, it's the best place to be stored. Yeah, because you can't hurt yourself. There's nothing there. There's sand. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This this sounds this sounds great. But all right, so we've already been on for little over. We've been on for significantly over an hour. But there's a few questions I just want to touch on. We do have to jump off soon. What do you see just in the next one, five, ten years? What do you What do you see for this industry? Where do you see it going when it comes to the products, how the industry functions, and then primarily primarily the efficacy and and what we've been talking about most of this conversation as far as education the restrictions um you know where do you see that going well personally, sorry very very broad question yeah no i two things came to mind uh one there is a huge cultural shift that i think is happening um that is going to basically in my mind, the way I see it, it's like a floodgate. You know, um, there's only so long that information can be withheld from the masses. And I think CBD, no, I don't want to even say CBD. I think cannabis in general, I think there's a, a major cultural shift to acceptance. And I think in the next one year, we might see a little bit more, but five to 10 years, I think cannabis is not going to be something that's like a taboo topic to talk about. I don't think there's going to be many people who are unaware of what cannabis is and what it can do for you. I think overall, I even uh, actually met somebody, a company at uh, an expo that was happening um, in Vegas last year before this whole thing. And they were a pharmaceutical company that shifted into CBD production um, and kind of to do, try to do it the right way. So I think there's that shift happening right now. People are really, on, it, you know, it's kind of also like when people were becoming more aware of plant-based milk and things like that. It's like some farms who felt that it was best to just transition into also producing plant-based stuff. Similar thing I feel is going to happen. It, it, there's a cultural shift. People are going to be more in tuned with eating and eating cleanly and incorporating it in a way that suits them. And I think there's a lot of education that's happening. And I also want to mention one thing. 
With our videos, um, one of the things that I try to differentiate between just a cooking video and what I try to do is I try to take people in a, in a step-by-step sort of way to help them understand why we're doing what. It's more of an education on how to make something as opposed to just a cooking video you're watching because it's nice to just be occupied. So I think there is that, but going back, I think there is a huge shift coming into just awareness, awareness of what cannabis is and how it, it can be and should be and will be incorporated into our life. I think the world would be less divided if we were all, we all had our, our daily dose of, of CBD and THC. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did prison experiments. It's hard to be angry if you smoke a joint with someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate you. No, they Not actually really. <laughs> did a, a prison experiment with this and they gave inmates uh, CBD and THC and the inmates showed way more uh, acceptance because anxiety and stress is also taken down because CBD. So if you're an inmate, all you can think about is anxiety and stress is keeping you in that zone. If you can just get them out of anxiety, they can breathe, they can go holy shit, what, I mean, some kind of clarity. We're not getting them the help because we're not looking at it as a psychological problem. We're looking at it as a criminal issue. Like, oh, that's a criminal. That guy just needs help. But on that, I just want to add, I think delivery methods are going to explode in the next five to 10 years. Tinctures is as great as they are. Gummies as great as they are. They go through first pass metabolism. They pass through our liver. You don't want to put that much emphasis on your liver every single time you want to process something. So uh, delivery method like patches is completely avoiding first pass metabolism. It's sending the, um, the stuff directly into your bloodstream. So people in the future are going to start looking at risk versus reward. Right now, everybody's looking at cannabis's risk as a rewards. They're not looking at the risks involved because we haven't started seeing any issues related to cannabis. Those side effects haven't come yet. But slowly and slowly in the next decade, this gap is going to close where consumers want very specific product for a very specific need for a very specific localized action. We don't want our whole body to be involved. Like, why am I putting my brain, why am I crossing my blood brain barrier and sending CBD in that quantity into my brain when my leg hurts? There is no reason for doing that. So I think delivery methods like suppositories should be explored by companies. It's a it's very popular in France. I think if I'm not mistaken, it's the number one preferred method is suppository. Really? And so, yeah, because suppository, it looks like I'm not going to put that up my bum, but people have been doing that for 4,500 oh, years. People, people are weird about putting anything up their bums. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, my first experience with suppository was my my son. I mean, he, he needed to have drugs and he just would not... You know, it's hard to convince a two-year-old that something's yeah. good for him when he just wants to spit it out every two seconds. And uh, we were we were in the hospital, and he had to have suppositories. So, you know, I, I I get the necessity there, but like I said, people are very weary about going near their bums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and it's it people are very weary. Why? And what I think is is because of cinema. And I I'm like I'm saying this because. When we are at film school, the number one thing that they teach you is like your whatever action your actor is taking, if an actor breaks down after the mother dies, if the actor goes, it's okay, mothers are mothers, they die, no problem. That is telling the culture, if your mom dies, it's fine, you don't have to worry about it. But if you go, holy shit, my mom died. Culturally, we learn a lot from, because we're not interacting with humans. We're looking at TV screens and the TV screens are giving us like cultural information of what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to react? Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you up, but especially more and more now that you know everybody we're we're losing that human interaction, um, you know. But 
where I think you were getting at with this is if we can get more actors putting suppositories <laughs> up their bums, it will become more culturally acceptable. Well, yeah. yeah, but, but <laughs> what I'm saying is if somebody, if an actor slaps the other actor on the butt, if the other actor goes, what are you doing? You touched my ass. That's completely inappropriate. Then we're teaching the culture. <laughs> Asshole is yours. Nobody else touches it. No, it's a taboo thing. But if somebody, like in India, let me give you an example. This sitting like that is very common for two guys. Like we could be two men, okay. not in a relationship sitting like this, because this is a friendly gesture. We have a lot of hand gestures in India and Europe. But in America, you can't do this to a guy unless like it's your buddy from your buddy. But if an actor starts doing this more and more, we're just teaching the uh, population. It's fine if you're hugging somebody. That's what oh, I meant. So who's going to be who's going to be the first actor to, to on, on camera to, to <laughs> take a suppository up there? Well, my, who, my, who, vote, my vote's Brad Pitt. I want Brad Pitt <laughs> or, Chris, or oh. Christian Bale. I would watch that. I would yeah. I would probably enjoy that. <laughs> The older generation, you know, George Clooney. Yeah, I would want to see oh, the George rock. <laughs> like, because his bicep is so huge. Like, how is he gonna even like, you know, like that's. Oh my. God. Yeah, but that is that is that is hilarious. Uh, no, this was this was fun. I I enjoyed the whole conversation. Um, had a blast. And honestly, we need to get on and talk more because we could go on for hours and hours. I do have to jump off, but I want to thank you two very much for being here. Oh, okay. thank you so right. much. Well, thank you so thank much. You so much. All right. Time. All right. Sekender, so figure out who's going to be the first uh, actor to put the, the suppositories in. <laughs> I, I love that. That was a hilarious finish, though. <laughs> All right. Later, later, guys. Thank okay. you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.